0: Hi, everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and you are listening to Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast. This is where we have smart conversations about motherhood, pregnancy, feminism and healthcare, and a whole lot more. We've been talking about all kinds of topics that pertain to our lives as parents or expectant mothers and fathers or grandparents or healthcare providers or citizens, even as global citizens, because once you have a baby in your life, in some way you enter into this big old global community we call parenthood and no matter where you live you get that you know what that means so what's going on in your world listeners it's been another tough tough week in the news more violence and all kinds of campaign nonsense and a lot of scary situations i tell you what uh, I did quite a bit of traveling this last week, and even with that, I made sure I got to touch base with each and every one of my kids from New York to L.A. to Seattle, back to Portland. I just wanted to make sure they were safe. You know, it's that mama thing. It lasts a lifetime. Uh what else? September. I think we've talked about this before, but um, so many babies born in September, nine months after New Year's Eve, right? That's a whole lot of Libras coming into the world, if you like that sort of thing. And okay, I'll admit it. I kind of do. I actually kind of love that sort of thing. I think astrology is super fun. And you know what? It just gives us the tiniest little bit of hope and little bit of guidance on a daily basis. And you know, really, no matter whether it's hype or not, who couldn't use a daily dose of that delivered in their inbox, right? Um. One thing I heard about this week uh, was an article on Refinery29. It was about, apparently NASA says that all our horoscope dates are off, and there are actually 13 constellations and signs, not 12. And all kinds of people are freaking out because they've lived their life thinking they're a cancer, only to find out that they're now a Gemini. Really? Me? A Gemini? I don't see it. Until I'm told otherwise, I'm sticking to my old sign. It suits me well enough. Anyways, I don't take that too seriously, but all right, I kind of do. It's fun. Oh, let's see. Speaking of fun, I think last week our podcast was, uh, it was rich, and we talked about politics and heavy stuff like that. And I thought this week we would just lighten the heck up. So uh, first I'm going to answer a couple of listener emails, and then... Let's get ready to have some fun with this week's guest. Okay, let's see. Again, I am getting so many emails this week from all over the place about um, high amniotic fluid levels or polyhydramnios. Just like last week, I'm going to just advise um, that you guys go download episode seven and learn from a midwife who's an absolute expert on this kind of stuff about what's normal, what's not, and what you need to do about it. And then I want you to read the chapter in my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, about late pregnancy curveballs and how to handle them. And while you're reading and listening, I want you to make a list of questions to ask your doctor or midwife. And at your next appointment, get them answered. Make sure that you really understand the answers, your options, and what to do next. Okay, what else? All right, I got kind of a. A very sweet email from a woman named Kendra, who writes, Hi, Jeannie. I have a very serious issue. I've been to about four or five clinics, including my primary doctor, to take a pregnancy test, and they all came back negative. And I took a few more pregnancy tests and got maybe a few positives. But I still feel pregnant and afraid to continue on to my normal activities, such as vigorous exercising and taking trips to theme parks, because I am unaware if I am really pregnant or not. Please help. <laughs> okay, Kendra, let's see if we can sort this out. Um, you feel like you're pregnant, and maybe even on some level, maybe you want to be pregnant, at least maybe someday. But if you've managed to find time to go to all those clinics and take all those tests, and your period hasn't started yet, well... Maybe what you need to do is just give this a little bit of time. Really, we're not in such a hurry. Nothing happens during the first weeks or, you know, of a pregnancy that requires any kind of medical attention. Just take care of yourself and give it a little time. Either you'll get your period or you won't. And then you can do, you know, if you don't, you can do another pregnancy test when you're maybe further along. You can absolutely go about your business and exercise and all that. Theme park? I have never had a question about theme parks before and it's a little funny. Um, you know, maybe we can just use some common sense and you can lay off the roller coasters for a while until you know for 100% certain whether or not you're pregnant. And the best way to find that out is to either just wait and see or take another test in a week or so or ask your primary care provider to do an ultrasound. If any of these things indicate that you are not pregnant, well then, you're not, that's all. If they indicate you are, well then, okay, I'm happy for you, I wish you well, Kendra. Hope that helps. Uh, Let's see, we got another email. Um, This is from someone in India. Hi, Jeannie, Um, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to go ahead and read it as it's written, Um, and I think that you will get what this is about. Hi, Jeannie. Myself, Sirisha from India. I am having 10th month of pregnancy, and doctor has given the due date this month of 14th of this month, but still now, I didn't get pains. But my last period date is November 30th, 2015. Should I wait for pains or shall I take any other option for caesarean? But I have so much fear to the caesarean. Please help me if there is any other option for normal delivery. Thanking you. Regards, serisha Oh, what a nice letter, serisha Hi. Um, so, serisha if you haven't gone into labor yet, then maybe this advice will help. Now, just because you haven't started to have pains yet, and you haven't gone into labor yet, that does not mean that you need to have a cesarean. You might just need to wait for normal labor to start. And, you know, it's not uncommon for it to be sometime after 40 to 41 weeks of pregnancy. Um, If there's any reason, you know, you're having health problems or your baby's having some problems to deliver early, then maybe what you need to do is have your labor induced. Um, you know, that would be done in a hospital where they could give you medications to make contractions. Now, I don't know your health history or the type of health setting you're prepared to give birth at, so I can't give you any absolute straight advice. But what I can say is that having a cesarean should be a last resort, not a first one. Um, I think you need to talk to your healthcare provider um, and let them know that you prefer to discuss other options. And don't worry, you know, if just because you haven't felt pains yet, that's common. A lot of women don't feel a thing until they're in good, solid labor. You might be one of the lucky ones. Um, I'll be thinking about you. I wish you well. Okay, so now as promised, let's get to our guest today. It's time to have us some fun while we talk about the real life comedy of parenthood. Today we're going to call up Biz Ellis, who is the co-host of the comedy podcast One Bad Mother, a show about life after giving life. Let's call her up. Hello? Hi, Biz. It's Jeannie. How are you? I'm (laughs) good. How are you? Good. Where am I finding you? Are you in L.A.? Uh, Pasadena, just outside of LA. Yeah, I know where that is. You know, for some reason, and I don't know why,
1: I had you placed in Florida. <laughs> oh, well, that would be exciting. That would be, uh, at least, uh, rain would be involved, uh, at some point in time. That would be lovely.
0: Well, you're talking to me up here in Portland, Oregon. We're all about the rain.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. That's so, you're so green where you are. <laughs> we are, and I'm not going to whine one
0: little bit because I'm just back from Atlanta, which was hot and muggy even in September. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually coming down to L.A. uh, this week for a couple of days. And I'll be happy to have the sunshine there. But this week in Portland is perfect. Sunny and clear and warm, but not hot and not humid. It is perfect.
1: (laughs) Well, for me, we're having a perfect day because it actually is super cloudy. So it makes me feel like we have seasons for a few minutes. So you're having perfect- one. We're having one. We're having a cloudy day, guys. It's super exciting. <laughs> well, Biz, Biz, let me introduce you to
0: our listeners. Biz Ellis is the host of the comedy podcast, One Bad Mother, a show about life after giving life. Um, you and I actually talked... I think it was sometime last fall when my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, was just out. And that was fun. I did quite a lot of podcasts and you know, radio interviews and that kind of thing. But yours was seriously the most fun.
1: <laughs> but, thank you. <laughs> we, we like to have fun.
0: You're welcome. <laughs> so I wrote my book to tell it like it really is inside the birth industry. And I think you, I mean, my impression of One Bad Mother is that is sort of your goal too, telling it like it really is for moms. But you tell me, how did one bad mother originate?
1: Well, that's pretty much it. I uh, had my daughter. Oh, she's like seven now. So um, I had her, when I had her, I was living in New York. And none of my friends had kids. Uh, I had her a little later than a lot of people have kids. Not not like tremendously late. But uh, a lot of our friends were younger because my husband is younger. Hello. we'll um, talk about that, that, that too. Younger, not, not not a lot. Um but uh all my friends uh, we all were performers and you know and so everybody's lives What were kind just- of performers. We uh I ran I, I did comedy in New York, so a lot of my friends were comedians or, or you know actors and so um, you know, that's a pretty grueling set of work, uh, for a lot of people in terms of trying to find a real, finding relationships and that whole, like, let's go have a baby it just isn't that's easily just kind of passes by. But, um, my, my clock was ticking and I was like, I want one. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I found it very isolating to begin with and, Uh, I guess this was back when sort of parenting blogs were just starting to really pop up on the internet and uh, every blog out there, you know, and I kind of stumbled upon these, you know, what they called at the time, the mom blogs. And uh, when I started looking at them, there was definitely an image of perfection and, you know, I mean, people weren't even using Facebook this much, uh, you know, seven or eight years ago, not to the degree that people are now. And, you know, so. And they
0: weren't using Pinterest.
1: Yeah, there was no Pinterest. Yeah, Pinterest was not around. The end. There was no Pinterest. There yeah. was like the, 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 what made you feel bad were like pottery barn catalogs. And, uh, you know, or, uh, just, like, these these blogs where people's houses were perfect, their kids were really clean, every picture was, like, a successful attempt at bonding with their child, uh, and I felt like I was losing my mind, and I also, like, simultaneously, I also no longer felt cool, <laughs> like, at all. Ah, uh, the I, cool you know, factor. I had... Like I'd had this like previous life of like up all night New York City. Let's do comedy. Woo. I'm so cool You know, I got tattoos. Yeah, rock on and then I was like, I I found myself having nothing else to talk about except a baby. I found it very hard to connect to my friends Uh, I felt very outside of the life that I had had before kids and I just felt like there was nothing out there to even put on that made me feel cool. You know, like all the mom, like dads had all these cool shirts and merch and all this stuff, super dad and all this stuff. And I, you could find soccer mom, like everything was like relegated mom to something else, like to the family or to, you know, it was like two roles at once. Wife one, mom two, soccer mom, you know? And so uh, my husband and I were joking around about, Uh, trying to make a cool t-shirt for me so I could feel halfway like a person. And he made me a shirt that uh, was black and and yellow writing that said one bad mother on it. And I felt really cool when I put it on. And when I wore it out, people were like, that's such a great shirt. And I was like, you know what? I wonder if I'm not the only person who feels this way. Uh, Maybe... Maybe I should, I mean, like, podcasts weren't even, I mean, like, it was like, I mean, no one was like listening to podcasts the way they listen to podcasts now. So, again, this was still like, k was two, we were still in New York, and I was thinking about it. And then we had to up and move to LA uh, for my husband's work, and I was ready to get out of the city. And when I was out here, uh, Stefan uh, is good friends with a gentleman named Jesse Thorne, who hosts Bullseye on uh, NPR and has a, Family of podcast, and he said, "You know what? I think you'd like his wife, Teresa." And I was like, "Okay." And Jesse had told Teresa, "I think you'd like this." And both of us like had little kids, and we're like, sort of like, "To be a time for a new friend, I don't know. uh ma, I don't know what I want to do." We went out. We started walking uh with our kids, and we started talking. And I told her about the idea for the show, and she liked it. And Uh, I really liked how we talked with each other because she didn't come to parenting the same way I did. She's younger. She and I, everything is a state of panic for me. (laughs) She's so mellow. So uh, I don't know. Our voices just worked well together. And I asked her if she'd co-host it with me. We pitched it. They picked it up. And we really have worked very hard to make this a show about I don't know, just trying to feel cool again and trying to remind ourselves that we are not 100% alone in, like, I guess, the things we struggle with, with parenting. Uh, And that it's, I think after doing this for three years, the biggest thing I've sort of come to peace with as a result of doing the show is you can be both really happy about Being a parent, like it can be something that you really wanted to do. It can be all those like perfect things, but at the same time, you can really struggle with it, and you can have days where you wish you weren't a parent, and you. It can be really hard, and both can exist at the exact same time. And I don't think that that was easy to find when I first had when I I first became a parent.
0: You know, you're talking about this huge identity shift that I would say every woman goes through when she becomes a mother and all of a sudden she is not who she was before she is someone else and there's no way to prepare for it. You just have to get there. But then she realizes we all do that, you know, as you mentioned, the cool factor is gone because now you are a mom. And all of those yeah, terms. cool about
1: moms? Jeez. Right. They're the worst. All, all the terms
0: that we use to describe women at
1: yeah. that stage
0: of their life, like soccer mom, is yeah. that it's demonetizing. It's, it's meant to knock us down a peg. Yeah, like mom like, jeans. You never say that. As yeah,
1: a, like mom jeans let me, and let me just say, I've had a real struggle with this because you know what? Uh, I would be one badass soccer mom. Okay. (laughs) Thank God my kids do not want sports, but like, it's, it's the same thing as what we do to girls in terms of the color pink, like anything remotely feminine or associated with something girls might like, or something that, is about being a woman immediately is something weak. You know what? Like you, like not even your girl's supposed to like pink anymore. You know what I mean? Like there's no. It's like we've been stripped from the things that we're supposed to enjoy on some level. You know, it, let's say you are really awesome. I mean, like I am totally PTA queen now. You know, at my daughter's elementary school, and like that's not a role I ever thought I would have. But I, I dislike it. It. We are just yeah, your, your coolness is gone and not even you should like, here's your new role that you get, but you're not even allowed to feel good about that role. And that stinks like in a big, stinky, stinky way, because you might be great at any of those, those things. You know, I, I like there's nothing wrong with being a soccer mom. There's nothing wrong with being uh, like wearing pink 24 hours a day. If you're a little girl or as a grown woman, I occasionally like to don the pink Um but uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but we, we somehow associated, we tell boys that it's bad automatically. We tell men that it's bad to stay home. You know, like we, we, anything that is supposed to be okay for us is still also somehow, like you said, like demoralized on some level. And again, it's crappy. So, so, like, so, so when you're trying to figure out who you are after kids,
0: it's really hard don't you think it's a little bit like trying to find your lunch table in high school? Like who are the yeah. who, who are the moms that I identify with? Who is my tribe? It's not the yeah. Pinterest moms. For me, it is not the Pinterest moms. God bless them. I'm glad that they're into that, but that's not me. I mine is messier. <laughs> my motherhood is messier than theirs. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, here's the thing that I'm learning as a result of the show is theirs is super messy too. They are just much smarter about what pictures they post. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's what it really comes down to. That's what it's really you know, all about. Uh,
1: but like, but I think you're right about the tribe. I think there's a lot of pressure. I like two things are happening. One that uh, we're being sold a, like a bad bill of goods about about judging. Right? We are. We are told once again that we are supposed to be you know that everybody's doing it at us whatever that parent is doing if it's if it's not how we do it they're doing it at us and it's somehow simultaneously we're doing it wrong right which is an easy trap to fall into because you're super insecure about what you're doing as a new parent um and so you have this whole like as you're trying to find your tribe, and I do think there, it's totally valid to try and find, you've got to find at least one parent friend that you're like, I am into this person and she or he totally gets me. And having a glass of wine at two o'clock while our children eat dirt is exactly what we want to do. Um, but, uh, but I think that's hard to find when you're walking around feeling judged or worrying that you're not doing it like everybody else. And then uh, along with that, You can get so isolated that it's hard to even recognize your 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 tribe when you see them walking through the cafeteria, right? Like we, I remember, I honestly ran after a woman outside of the library once, and I must have looked like a crazy person. But she seemed to be getting along; like she just seemed to be dealing with her kids in a way that I dealt with my kids, and I was really struggling with my son, who was, you know. Just under a year, he was a screamer the entire year. He never stopped screaming and crying. And uh, and my daughter at the time was around four, so she was all over the wall. I have kids that are more. I got I got more kids. have got <laughs> so they come in the large size, huh? So, um, anyway, I, I like she left the library, and I was like, oh my god, I wonder if we would be friends. She clearly lives around here. <laughs> like, went after her with a scrap of paper and my phone number as if it was like 2 a.m. at a bar, right? Like, it was so obnoxious. And like, she totally took my number. It was great. I never heard from her. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's okay, guys. Okay. But I, what it did for me was it proved that I could reach out to people um, because I think that's really hard for people to do. So
0: I wonder if, if um, was this in Los Angeles? That you chased her. Yeah, at.
1: yeah, I just looked crazy.
0: So I met, I met one of my lifelong dearest friends, one of the women that I love most in the world, in the sand, uh-huh. in the sandbox, at yeah. um, the park at the end of Silver Lake Reservoir in Los Angeles. Nice. I had a one and a half year old and a newborn, and she had a one and a half year old and a newborn, and we both had the same barely surviving, bedraggled look that you have. <laughs> But it's right. a special kind of survival when you have, you know, two babies under two. You're you you're even, yeah. it, it's a different expression on your face than even oh, just okay. the mother of a newborn. And we recognized each other and swapped information and um, ended up becoming good friends. And we're, you know, my, those tiny babies are now grown-ass adults and we're still in, in touch. That's and great. And at the same time, you know, back then we didn't have the internet. We didn't have, you know, any, we didn't have any way to, we just went old school. And I went down to the uh, local children's bookstore in my neighborhood and put up a personal ad looking for mothers.
1: (laughs) And yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) awesome. That's great. But but I I think there's, there's, That's amazing. Like, I just, I, I, sometimes I worry that like the Facebook and the internet can get, can almost, it's a great resource for finding a community and finding friends. Um, you have to be, you know, take the extra step, I think, and take it offline if possible. Oh, hell yes. Um, but, uh, it's also like a bastion of garbage, like that, you know, like at least on a on a board at the library or at the children's bookstore, you can be like, that seems creepy. Or or you can be like, that sounds like a good idea. You kind of tell, but like on the internet, you could like walk into a room about like, you know, uh, should my baby wear socks or not socks when we go outside, you know, and like suddenly... It's like the ugliest place on the on the internet.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> well, from crazy. that personal ad, I met um, you know my my sandbox friend, and then yeah. another couple of women, and um, somehow some mother knew about you know twos- every Tuesday morning, all the moms meet at this one park. And we take turns bringing snacks for our kids. And I thought, oh, that just sounds so lovely. Let's do it. So the three of us gathered up all our babies and we went to the park together. And, you know, it wasn't, we didn't have to be the one to bring snack and i was really new to this concept of having to provide snack which became one right. of my major stressors going forward was the whole <laughs> snack thing and the women that were providing snack that day they were doing these elaborate spreads and i thought uh, uh, okay mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, i kind of flipped out a little bit so then When it – we decided, okay, this was a little bit weird. They're all dressed way too nice for us, and I can't even – I mean, did they cater this? Did they – did they cater it? <laughs> and so when it came to they,
1: order, they're, just, they're just better at this than us, that's all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we gave it a go and we brought Fig Newtons yeah. and graham crackers, and we were so shunned by this quadrant oh, of mothers well. because there was sugar. I mean, there's sugar in those graham crackers. And um, it became clear that we were not Tuesday morning in not the park, the tr- moms.
1: Not- no.
0: So we hung together, <laughs> the group of us. And uh, thank God, because back in those days, I was a night shift labor and delivery nurse. And mm. by the time all of these babies of ours got into preschool, we all went to the same yeah. preschool. And um, these women would <clears throat> pick, my, I would drop my kid kids off at preschool or, you know, whatever it was nursery school or whatever it was, and I would go home and I would get in my bed as quick as I could and I would collapse. I would sleep the sleep of the dead for, you know, maybe five or six hours. My friends would pick my girls up from preschool and let them play at their house so that I could get a full five or six hours sleep. And then I'd go yeah. over there, and they'd give me coffee, and they'd give me a recap of the day, and we'd scoop up the kids and go to our homes, and then I'd go back to work. But without those women, I don't know what I would have done.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important. I, you know, it's, I didn't, it was in the, it was around, it was nursery school, That was like which you know now they call preschool. But like preschool, uh, when Katie Bell went in, you know, yeah, we found, you know, I got, pregnant during that time and I I knew I needed help. I knew there were going to be days either when I had that baby or after the baby where I need somebody to be able to help me pick her up, you know, and bring her home and things like that. And you know, that was sort of where I made uh, you know, a really good friend who I drug with me uh to school, <laughs> to public school. was <laughs> like she wanted to get to private. I was like, oh, you don't want to do private school, come to public. It's a good time. Um think of all the money you'll save. You're gonna love it. Uh anyway, but she and then while at school during Katie Bell's kindergarten year, not only did I try and like recognize moms that seemed to need additional help. Like there was a mom who had, who was pregnant. She had another two-year-old and then her oldest daughter was in kindergarten with my daughter. So I knew that baby was asleep in her car, right? Like I knew my baby was never asleep. Why would my baby sleep at critical times of the day? Uh, But I could say to her, you know what, how about I just walk your daughter to your car? Like, I'll pick her up and I'll walk her to the car. That way you don't have to get her out of the car, right? Like your other kids out of the car while you're like eight months pregnant in 90 degree weather. Um, And then, like, so I started trying to reach out and do that. And as a result, you know, I've been able to build, like you said, this community of people. Um, Some, we, sometimes we socialize, sometimes we don't, we all have little kids. So that's kind of hard, but I, I've got at least five people at the end of the day who I can call if I need help you know, with picking up my kids or taking them somewhere and vice versa. You know, I get the calls, you know, at seven in the morning, you know, oh my God, the car won't work. Can you please come pick up, you know, my child or, and I'm always happy to do it. It doesn't, you know, I think that's uh, really important for people to find that, especially once their kids are in school and, uh, it's easier for kids to be like, yeah, I have no problem being at so and so's house, or you know, whatever. Finding building that community is is, is uh, really beneficial, especially
0: if your own, you know, mother or father, or you know, if you don't have a f- you know
1: family really close by. You know, we don't have family here. Yeah, we don't. I mean, my husband has. Uh, His parents uh, live about an hour and a half away. Uh, His dad still works and uh, his mom travels a great deal uh, still. So they're like, there'll be like a whole series of months where they're not here. Uh, And, you know, so when they come to see us, uh, they're really just here to see the kids for like, you know, 24 hours or so. And then, and then they head back. There's no like, Oh my God, can you help me? Right. Um, And, My family's in Alabama. Both of our, uh, you know, sisters are on the East Coast. Yeah, everybody's on the East Coast for the most part. So it's, we didn't really have friends out here when we moved. We had friends, but they didn't live like in the same area that we do. And um, yeah, you have to really, it's, I think it's almost like extra important if you don't have family. Yeah,
0: I think so too. And even if you do have family, you got to have, you got to have your, your pack around you who is, you selected them so you know that they totally get you. Yeah. They totally get you, yeah. And they don't, they don't come with the same um, specific annoyances that family so often does. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> well, everybody is gonna tell you how you should be taking care of your child. That's just a given, but it seems to come extra. There's extra, <laughs> there's extra with the family sometime, whether, whether it be very vocal suggestions or silent judging. <laughs>
0: So tell me how old your kids are now.
1: Okay, so my uh my daughter is seven years old, she's in second grade, and uh my son is a little over two and a half, like he'll be three at the end of November. And that's that's and I got two stinky loud cats, um and, and uh and my husband who's traveling right now. All right. <laughs> so two and a half and seven. Mm-hmm.
0: How do you how do you like the twos? I thought the twos were okay. I thought one and a half was really hard. And then but you know, that could also be because I had a newborn at the same time. I thought right. the twos <laughs> were okay. The threes yeah, the- were okay, but four, oh my God, it all hit the fan for me at when they I had four year olds.
1: Yeah, isn't it weird that they're all different? It makes me nuts. They um because my kids are I joke that like really catches me off guard how different they are and everybody's like why would that catch you off guard I'm like because they look identical like I made two kids that look exactly alike outside of gender and age (laughs) they look same recipe same ingredients how can they be so different yeah but other people's kids like blonde one kid's blonde one's a brunette like what's got like a square face my kids like people it, like freaks people out they're like that is weird um but so i so it always surprises me when they're not going through the same like sort of milestones the same way in retrospect my daughter she was pretty good through the twos around 3 we started having some like no issues but i you know she she overall she was the kid that made me think Everybody else is clearly doing it wrong. And I'm the best parent in the world because, you know, I can, we're, we're, she's pretty rational. We can talk about stuff. If I give her all the warnings, you know, she doesn't have the meltdowns. Like, look at what an amazing person I am. Then you had your son. And then I have my son who is... Like anything I ever secretly judged in my brain about somebody, like my kid, he has bitten me. He has, he really, the first year of his life was so difficult for me. I I definitely had postpartum with him. uh, There's no question. And I had to get some help with that because he just never stopped. He like, it wasn't colic. He just screamed like a lot. And he was a, you know, sleeping was hard. Neither of my kids are good nappers. Um, there was so much screaming and he couldn't be in a car like cars. Like, so there was none of the, like, put him in a stroller that he couldn't, he never fell asleep in a stroller maybe once. Did he just have to be strapped to your body the whole time? Uh, We did some strapping, uh, or he needed to be eating. He was a ferocious eater. My daughter stopped breastfeeding at, like, six months, and I was like, awesome, great. Plus, she took a bottle. I was like, great. This kid, this kid would not take a bottle, did not matter what we tried, standing upside down, you know, like, I I had a babysitter who gave him a sippy cup at, like, five months, and that... Just the fact that he drank out of it, we were all like, it's a miracle. Of course, he never did it again. Um, he, well, he's not going to do it for couldn't... you. You've got the boobs. Well, I know. It, it was like, it, it was, you know, all the stuff that I like mocked about, like, really, everybody. I was like, you could do that if you wanted to. Your child would stop if you <laughs> if you really tried. You could do and then, I, I, tumbling, it. Tumbling, isn't it? Yeah, it's really, surprised. you're totally wrong. Everybody's actually just doing the best they can. Um, And everybody's kid is totally different. So like with him. So I knew I knew it was coming uh, that the twos were going to be uh, intense and they are intense. I mean, there's some really great highs. He's a smart, funny kid. He's funny in a way that my daughter uh, isn't wasn't funny um she was very kind of serious he's hilarious uh which is so surprising i didn't think kids had a sense of humor as a result uh of my daughter now i'm like "Geez, that kid is funny but, but it's a good thing
0: he's got it because it sounds yeah, like you know it, it, without that silver lining
1: <laughs> yeah we haven't napped in like he hasn't napped for me in six months um and uh you know we're hitting that phase that i blessfully i remember from katie belt where you know only I will do if he wakes up in the middle of the night. And, you know, my husband, like we really, he's not like the kind of guy who's like, oh, well, like he really tries. <laughs> he wants me to sleep. So he really tries to go in and like step in and, and get Ellis to respond to him. And I know in a couple of months he will again, but right now he's not. So, you know, hello, we're almost at three years old and I'm going through like a horrible sleep deprivation cycle again. So it's um you know you don't get the nap when there's no nap you never get the time to do all that stuff people like power nap through you know like oh my child's napping I just made a cake or like, finished work or slept or whatever finally uh, cleaned the bathroom or yeah finally cleaned. any of those things like now I'm just like all right Ellis yeah Ellis we're doing laundry come on you know like that kid you're not gonna sleep you're gonna help me your so. son's name is Ellis yeah it's which my, is uh, your last name, name. Yeah, it was my – so, uh, yeah, Biz Ellis is just like a performing name. It was my name. It was my nickname and my name. And when I married my husband, um, uh, you know, my my legal name is Elizabeth Lawrence now, Elizabeth Ellis Lawrence. But uh, I was the last of the Ellis's uh, for my family, and I wanted to name whoever I had second uh, was going to be named Ellis uh, for my father.
0: Excellent. That
1: is power and yeah.
0: through for the matriarchy. Thank you very much. That's right. That's, That's right. right. That's right. We do all the work. We do all the making of the children. We should get the name right. <laughs> my poor
1: husband was <laughs> my poor husband, because Katie Bell was a family name too from my family. And he's like, Can I pick the next one? I was like, if you can have a middle name. And he's like, but I, I was like, we all took your last name. Your name is all over us. You got to pick all of our names on some level. I'm picking the first name, and it's Ellis. Of course, it's Ellis Gustav, which is the Swedish his Swedish choice, Ellis Gustav Lawrence. <laughs> I've probably
0: told this story on my podcast before, but you know we had the first we had the first daughter, and um, you know I thought that my husband and I had chosen the name in an egalitarian way, but you know I'm told that <laughs> no, actually that name was my idea, and he agreed that he liked it. And then when we had our second daughter, Camille. I had always wanted a daughter named Camille. There was this girl I went to high school with. Her name was Camille. And she wore these beautiful vintage beaded sweaters. And I I had a little crush on her. And so when I had Camille, clearly that was her name. And my husband was fine with it. And then when we had our next child, he insisted he was naming this baby. That was it. I got the girls and, (laughs) you know, and we didn't know whether or not we were having a boy or a girl with this kid. But he only picked girls' names. Now, the name that he picked had special significance to me. So he actually picked a girl's name that was, I mean, it would have been, he gave the name to me. It was um, Pearl. And oh, Pearl in, is also Margaret. It's the translation for Margaret. And my sister Margaret had recently passed away. So it was a very significant... Oh, that's so nice. But I didn't pick that name, but clearly it was all about my side of the family. and But then I kept saying, you know, we could have a boy. It could be a boy. We don't have boys. We do daughters. No, but seriously, it's a possibility that this could be a boy. Well, no, he never picked a boy's name. And, you know, wow. we went on this little drive when I was big, big, big pregnant with this kid And I sort of insisted, either you pick a boy's name or I'm picking a boy's name. And um, he finally, we agreed on my son's name, which is Lee. And again, (laughs) and he liked that name just fine, too. But again, it is a family name on my side of the family, a distant uncle I never knew. Anyways, he decided, okay, we're going to go with that. And sure enough, it was a boy. And, you know, (laughs) he tried so hard to put his stamp on that kid. He tried and tried. tried.
1: My son is so oh, grateful. I, I think you, I think it just goes to prove that, you know, if you marry the right one, it'll always, it'll always work out. You just have to give him a, give him a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so funny. Okay. Well, now I get to ask you, um, poignant questions, hard and poignant questions, Biz. You ready? Oh, excellent.
1: Okay. Excellent. okay.
0: What's the biggest stress in
1: your day? The biggest stress in my day? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ellis <laughs> and the I mean, fact I mean, that he I won't got, nap yeah I mean like right now they're both uh, he does preschool two days a week and uh you know my daughter's in elementary school and you know I I have I find myself in a situation uh recently where there is I have very little time for any sort of self-care I me mean, at all and I feel like I was saying this to Teresa the other day I feel like I just have one foot constantly trying to step to the next thing while uh, I, I, maybe if I just stopped and like focused more on why Ellis was having the tantrum, you know, the obvious stuff. Why is he having the tantrum? What's wrong? Why is he not going to sleep? Why does he want me in the room one more minute? Um, uh, Then maybe that would solve the problem as opposed to running, screaming away from the problem. But like his, you know, it's, where I'm really having a very tough time with uh, him going to bed at night, that's becoming really stressful. and And again, he just really needs me a lot, which is, you know, obvious if you have children, they need you. But like, I think I, I can occasionally hit these places where if I'm not getting time to do things with actual care and time that I want to do, as opposed to quick rush, take a shower, quick rush. Read something you like. Are you enjoying it? Oh, <laughs> uh, makes uh It makes it feel like uh, he's stealing my time, which is, you know, definitely a, a weird way to put it. Or maybe it's a harsh way to put it. But it's, it's definitely something I wrestle with, um, you know. It, again, it exists simultaneously with, you know. Enjoying him. So, you know, it's stressful.
0: I think it's the name, actually. I know a woman, I um, know a woman quite well whose son is Ellis. Yeah. And it was the same situation. Very <laughs> clingy, only wanted his mom. Perfectly lovely father, quite capable of taking care of his yeah. needs, both physically yeah. and emotionally, but nobody but mama would do. Um, didn't want to wean, like ever, just ever. And <laughs> it, it She finally found her solution in, um, I think he was, I don't know, two and a half or three. And she hadn't had, you know, more than a minute and a half to herself in all that time. And she went away for three or four days. She went on a trip and it was the, you know, just three or four days was all this little boy really needed to recognize that. Oh, actually, his father is a perfectly lovely person capable of providing for all of his needs. Right. And why, right. yes, I can sleep through the night because it's really not worth it to get up with him.
1: And yeah, okay. And it was a real breakthrough for them. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, no, it's hilarious. He's really great with the sitter. And if I have a meeting at night, he's <laughs> got no problem for my husband sleeps all night. <laughs> it's just, it's become a. it's like, I, I describe it as like, you live like in a haunted house because like I lived in a haunted house and I was like people kept coming over and I kept saying, oh, my God, you don't understand. The house is haunted. And everybody's like, Ms., your house is lovely. You're fine. And then they all leave and like the walls start bleeding. <laughs> That's what it feels like. I'm just like, why is he doing this for all of you guys? <laughs> it's all right. Eventually, he won't be doing it in college. So there you go. That's my line oh good there you go <laughs> i say that to
0: people all the time he won't go to kindergarten still in his diapers he won't go to college right. still sleeping in your bed just you know right. it, it, it is going to change yeah yeah exactly okay so what's your best coping mechanism
1: uh do you want a do you want a light one or a dark one? <laughs> oh, you choose i asked the question all right. Um, well, they're both kind of quick. One is uh, when I'm starting to kind of lose it during the middle of the day, or I just realize that something's off. Um, I, I put on music. I, I I can easily forget how much I enjoy listening to music and how much it can be a real mood changer uh, in my house. And so I just put on one of those like Google Play sort of stations and turn it up loud, and it really helps when it's just like. You know, when you're just kind of going through the day with Ellis, or on the weekends with the kids, when it's just me and them, uh, so that that really helps. Uh, when I am dealing, like with the with the real stress, where it's getting, you know, a lot of people don't want to talk about it. We talked about it on the show kind of early on, like what we call mom rage, where you just go you're, you're really cramming it down. You're really trying to keep it together. And you're kind of not, uh, you're like really starting to lose it. This was a suggestion from one of our listeners and I use it all the time. Like when you're getting so, when I'm getting so stressed out and so angry and I want to throw something like, you know, you have like, you want to just break a plate? Right, I don't know if you've ever been that stressed, or like I don't know, go to a batting cage and beat the crap out of something. Yes, I have um, been that stressed. Every mother out there, and if she says she hasn't, she's lying. People may call somebody if you're out in the backyard smashing plates. So what somebody suggested was they take ice and they throw it against the garage, um, or like a like a you know your fence or whatever, and it has the same satisfaction of the smashing noise. And really being able to throw something as hard as you want, but it's going to melt. So there's no like glass all over your There's nothing like... You don't have to clean up. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to do anything. And so there are a lot of times when we're struggling with the go down and he's really pushing my buttons and I'll close the door you know, and he'll be in there screaming and I'm closing the door to go take my breath and count to 10. And I just reach for the freezer, grab ice, open the back door and I just throw it (laughs) as hard as I can out in the yard. And I've explained to my daughter, this is a technique. She, she now thinks it's totally normal. So she's like, can I throw ice? Yes, of course you can. And like, (laughs) so I love that. It's really helpful. Rage reduction without the sharp edges. It really, it really is. It really cuts my rage like in a half.
0: For me, it was going outside. I mean, when my kids were little yeah. and like
1: that, just, yeah. Yeah,
0: just go outside. Just all of just us, go outside. we all have to be outside now
1: because <laughs> yeah, if we stay right. in the house, it's going to be ugly. But that's so important. That really is the going outside. That's like my third go to uh, next to the music. So, you know, that's genius. Music, ice, get the hell outside. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I know that, you know, when I had little, little kids, oh, especially with the first couple, it's so bewildering. It's so exhausting. And um, oftentimes, especially in Los Angeles, my best coping mechanism was to pop the kids in the car and go spend the day at the beach. Just spend a day outside. And then I knew at least, you know, Monday through Friday, my, it might be four out of five bad work days. But if I go to the beach one day, I get that one day because they're guaranteed to be okay. It's just, you yeah. find you find your way. You find your way. Yeah. So uh, do you think that becoming a parent has been a help or a hindrance to you reaching your own personal goals? Has it been a motivator or a detractor?
1: Uh, I'm sorry. What was the, will you repeat the, that again? I just want to make sure I understand that right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you think, I know it's a big one.
1: Do you think that becoming
0: a parent has been ah. a help or a hindrance to you reaching your own personal goals?
1: All right. Mm. <clears throat> it, it, it depends on the day, uh, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I think I had... I When I had Katie Bell and we were still in New York, I was doing a job... Um, I already knew that I was probably stepping away from performing at that time, but I was also doing a corporate job uh, that I, you know, I was really good at it and, you know, money was great and all that stuff, but I was super stressed out, like all the time um, and I wasn't really happy. Uh, and so when we moved to California and I stopped working for a while, uh, I, having Katie Bell, I, I just, everything stopped for like two years. Like I, I, I couldn't tell you what I wanted to do I couldn't tell you what a personal goal was like I felt like I had to, I had to sort of come down from the stress and the uh, sort of generally just not happy with sort of how I was living uh, and, I, and so I guess in a way that was like really helpful like being able to kind of stop and be with her but it was also a real hard adjustment of I was so used to being you know Giving credit publicly when I did stuff that was challenging and hard at (laughs) work—that you're like at home and no one cares that you just did something challenging and hard with your, you know, one-year-old. So, so that was just like a really weird time. But I I definitely, and I think that's true for anybody who's got kids under three. Like I think like three, you kind of start to come out of it at three, and then you either have another kid, you have like another kid, and then like you kind of (laughs) reset. (laughs) got to come out again around three. So I've had to like emerge twice. It feels like, Um, but you know, having the kids and kind of going through my own identity crisis, definitely, you know, played into uh, the creation of the show and and, and every single week, um, which is amazing that we've only ever had to cancel it once in three years with two kids. And, you know, both of us have two kids. Um, And, you know, it's, I'm really curious, think, though,
0: what the thing is that made you cancel.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was like uh, somebody's uh, for, I think it was Teresa, the kid got hurt at school. She like had to go. She couldn't, you know, everything else, usually, uh, my daughter seems to only get sick or hurt after the show, which is helpful. Um, and occasionally we, you know, had to take them to the show. Um and uh, you know, I mean that we're going to run out. That's that's not going like, to We're definitely not going to be this successful forever. But it is sort of like a weird little miracle that that hasn't happened. Um. So I guess they it I is, find them the show is super super
0: popular, right? Yeah, it turns out
1: it is. It's it's a it's um a lot of people listen, and I I think it's a I don't think we were aware of sort of how it was evolving out in the world because we just go in every week and record and put it out into the universe. And, you know, we, we try and be mindful of what we're doing, uh, because, you know, everybody really does approach parenting differently. So we really try and just talk about the things that are universal to us all. Um, and, uh, but yeah, there's, uh, yeah, people people seem to find it enjoyable, which is nice. I had um, I had an experience. Not everybody does,
0: that's okay. I had an experience this <laughs> weekend. I was working in Atlanta and um, somebody that I was working with said, "Oh, I listened to your podcast." And I thought, "What? Why? Why would you do you know yeah. or yeah. or if somebody says that they've, you know, read something that I've written, which obviously that yeah. is the point of doing publishing and, you know, producing and putting things well, out right. there is For our audience, but it's still this weird little disconnect because, you know, we're at our computer in our office. We do our work. Yeah. And for us, it stops when we hit send and then it goes out there and it has this other life.
1: Yeah, no, we're, we're, you know, one of the things we're, we're, one of the comments that we get a lot is, oh, you guys are so honest. (laughs) And it's, and it's true. I mean, I don't see the point of doing it if you're going to sit around and lie about it. You and guys are so being uh, honest. Honest. <laughs> honest. I don't think there's like, yeah, It's a, but like we also don't tell you everything. I'm not going to tell you like every single deep, dark secret of my life, but I'll be honest about, you know, my struggles with parenting. But uh, so people who've been listening kind of feel like we're all really good friends, which is fine with me. Let's all be really good friends. That's cool. If you're listening, we probably share something in common. Like parenting is really hard, and no one cares. So let's all be nice to each other. Um, but uh, yeah, I get because I have a, a rather unique voice. Um, I I have found in the last this last year, uh, I my karate class that I take Katie Bell to Ellis's swim class. I've got people in both of those classes who listen to the show. Um, my daughter's teacher this year was like, oh, hey, I heard your podcast. My cousin told me all about it. And it's great to see a face with the voice. And I was like, that's weird. Like, that's, how do I feel about that? Like, you're my kid's teacher. Um, and yeah, so it's weird when when those worlds sort of cross. Um, and, uh, but I guess to go back to the original question, I my children motivate me to not lose my mind and <laughs> keep working. Well, you know, <laughs> another you know
0: deeply serious uh, question I was going to ask you is, what do you think is the biggest challenge women face today that keeps them from either reaching their full potential or just you know keeps them from keeping their shit together?
1: <laughs> what do you think the biggest challenge women yeah. face is? I think it's two things. One, I mean, I can only speak from my own personal experience. And for me, <clears throat> I'm like such an A personality. I'm such a like, you know, got to go out and succeed and do everything that I want to do, you know, and um, and I really had to sort of reset my bar, as it were, uh, because I kept getting really disappointed when I wasn't being successful at the things I wanted to do in a way that I would have been eight years ago. And that was really becoming something that was difficult. And uh, I had to really for myself say, do I want to do 10 things or do I want to do one thing? You know, and once I uh, started accepting that I wasn't less of a person or worse person for letting go of some of the stuff that I thought was important to be doing as a person. And I, and I, I want to be clear, this isn't, I let it go for my children, right? I let it go for me. I let it go because I was no longer happy about it. And I was really stressed out all the time. And uh, and as I get to a place where I'm feeling less stressed, I, I'm, I can always allow myself to add it back. I, I feel like it's very easy for us to feel trapped that if we stop something in our lives or, or say we don't want to do that again, that it somehow feels super permanent. Um, and I think society, all the articles that you see, for one thing, stop reading fucking articles online. That would be my biggest piece of advice. Unless uh, I write because, them. <laughs> yeah, unless you write them or I write them. Yeah. The um, But like a lot of them really are. But that's why I liked your book. And, But to be perfectly honest, that is why we had you on the show versus other people telling you about pregnancy, because I think people want to sell you more so that people don't think they themselves are somehow screwing it up, right? Like it is uh, really helpful to get flat out. uh, This is what's going to happen when you're pregnant. (laughs) The end. This is what's going to happen when you have a baby take, if you know these things, then you can maybe give yourself a little power in a situation where we're constantly told you have no power, right? Like, man, as soon as you get pregnant, you're screwed. Um, everybody takes away your, your rights and responsibilities. And then you have the kids and then everybody's telling you that like, I know there's something like sort of demeaning about like, Oh, did you stop because of your kids? Right. As opposed to, no, I stopped because of me or I'm doing it because of me. And like, I really think we've got to stop saying it's okay to, that you're, you're only right if you're leaning in the whole time, or you're only right if you're leaning out the whole time. Um, you know, it is all about what you want, what makes you happy and what is right for your family. You know your family best, you know what you can do best. So why does it matter if your best friend is somehow managing to stay, you know, the VP of of a company and have a Pinterest page and their kids seem to be okay, (laughs) like while yours are eating paste and you're just happy you put pants on today, like both of those things are okay right like she's not being a vice president at you and you are not deliciously watching all the new Gilmore Girl episodes at her right like I think uh I just I just think like if we could all just turn the noise off for a little while uh because people have a lot of noise about parenting god it is just everybody wants you to be doing it Differently than however you're doing it, and uh, it's really stressful, you know. So I, yeah, I guess that's I guess that's it. If that at all answered the question, I think you did a really good job. You know, I think that we have these really polarizing
0: concepts in our society where there's this you know do it all, be it all, women can have everything kind of mentality. And it bangs up against this other, you know, every other article we read is about mindfulness and be here now. And, you know, I, I err on the side of be here now because raising our kids is a really temporary situation. And rather than, you know, judging or, you know, making it difficult for women to make the choices that they make, What if as a society, we just made it easier for everybody to do what they knew was best for them? You know, what if we just did,
1: (laughs) you know? Well, right. Yeah. I mean, just like, it's like you getting those extra hours of sleep from your friends. You know, what we're being sold, what's easier to sell now is that, you know, if if that was a TV show, they'd all be bitching about you while you slept, right? Right. Your horrible, mother, for sleeping for five right? hours like, out of twenty-four. For, yeah, for five hours, right? Like, there's this. We're we're just so inundated with these images and these ideas, and like, it, it, I just don't buy it anymore. And as soon as I see it, I turn. If if an article says you know ten ways you're, I just stop. <laughs> because it's like, I can't, am I doing it wrong? I'm probably doing it wrong. Right. Like, or, uh, you know, I, yeah, I just, If you're if you see other parents struggling, offer to have. It's like you know we say on the show all the time. When you see that mom standing in the middle of Target and her kid is ripping everything off the wall, having a major tantrum, and she looks like she's about to lose it, you walk by and you say you are doing a good job because your kid may have never had that tantrum, but he will tomorrow or two days from now or whatever else. And like we're told that like somehow. You know, just even as women being out in the world, parents being publicly parenting, just, uh, is, you know, st- stop judging. T- uh, tell people they're doing a good job because they are. They're out successful and they have pants on. Yeah.
0: It's not just moms either. I was at <laughs> Trader Joe's just a couple weeks ago and there was, you know, my, my aisle mate, you know, I'm going and he's coming, was a father who had a baby in a car seat in the, in the cart. And he had probably a three- or four-year-old who was along with him. And the three- or four-year-old was clearly climbing the walls and on yeah. his very last nerve, the dad's last nerve. Yeah. And the poor guy is just trying to get his damn grocery shopping done before yeah. the bomb goes off with the baby. And the he he turns his body away from the cart just for a second to grab yeah. the canned tomatoes on the bottom shelf. And in that moment, his four-year-old is shaking the basket to the point where it started to topple over. on And it would have toppled over on the baby and on the four-year-old. And the dad grabbed it and saved it all at the last moment. So nobody got hurt. But then he was in that four-year-old's face saying, I am Ugh, so angry so with hard. you. And you could yeah. see the reactions around him of some parents thinking he's going to, he's going to smack that kid or, you know, there was a little bit of judging there. I was thinking, Oh my God, this man is making a big impression on a son who just about lost his life with a stroller or, or with a cart. You know, I thought he did yeah. a really good job, but you could see
1: people around
0: him were just judging. And then, you know, by the time we got
1: step up and say, that could be me right now. You are doing a good job. And like dads get it just as bad. Like, I mean, I, you know, I feel, you know, dads aren't even society tells dads that, you know, when you see them out with the kids, they must be giving the mom a break or whatever. You know what I mean? And like, or your uh, poor dads, I just, I know I just, it's poor yeah. dads. Jeez. their mommy's little helper rather than no, I'm yeah, actually, just, you
0: know, the parent here. Yeah. It's just utter. It's utter garbage. It is. Um, yeah. Well, you and I have talked for a heck of a long time, and I would like to ask you just two more questions. Okay. Um, if you could do anything to make life better for parents out there, what would it be? Or what would you say? What would you, what if
1: you could do or say? I really just think, because it's been really impactful on me, is just really that idea of staying saying good job. The more I have found myself telling other parents, total strangers, that they're doing a good job or I get it or I see you or even just the right smile at the right moment has really actually started to make me feel like I am normal and doing a good job. And it's become really infectious amongst the one bad mother community of just really, you know, like as simple as if I've got, if I don't have my kids with me at the store and I see the mom putting the groceries in the car and I know that she's got to put the kid in the car, I just go up and say, I'll take your basket. You know what I mean? Like just this uh, showing other each other that we totally get it and we appreciate it and you're doing a good job really has wound up making me feel like I am when I feel like I'm not all the time. So I, you know, I just think it's an attitude adjustment and I wish for all of us that we can make it for ourselves. Yeah. Step up folks, step up
0: and help. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So our last question is the question that I ask everybody, some version of this, hmm. where, where are you in your life as a mom?
1: Um, no, that's, that's hard. I, um, I'm definitely going through a summer was hard. <laughs> Didn't feel like a very good mom over summer. I think as a mom, I am trying to get myself uh, in a place of more patience and more. uh, I guess it's that whole trying to get my foot out of the next step and back to where we are at the moment. So that's like as a mom, I am really trying to uh, be kinder to my to my kids, which makes me feel bad for even having to say that, but insinuating that I'm not, but like, you know, there are times when I'm not, there are times where I'm really short with them and I'm really impatient. And I'm not saying that I want to be some mom who like never shows emotions with my kids. I Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's totally unrealistic, but I can also try and be more mindful when in my tone, at least, or I, mean, I can still communicate the same messages and the same discipline that I need to, or just the same way of asking my children to stop singing in my ear as loud as they can, uh, without it being ugly. So, uh, so that's just like kind of where I am is just trying to, to do that. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's where I am as a mom.
0: That's pretty good. I like that answer. I've been there myself. Oh, almost every day of my life.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's that's what sucks, isn't it? It's not like you can be as mindful as you want, but you're gonna have to keep being mindful every day. <laughs> well, you know, that
0: I mean not to be you know, too out there about it, but there is that Buddhist phrase, you know, before enlightenment, chop wood carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood carry water. You know it's it's a yeah. daily effort, no matter who you are, to choose the kind parent you want to be, you know, and right. And then you make that intention, you do the best you can. And, you know, you just hope that when shit flies, it flies in the right direction.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I think something else I've had to really work on is understanding that I can change it. I can take a new approach or, or if things are going really south, I don't have to let it go that way forever. And if something's not working, I can change it, try something new, and then change it again. You know. Again, I, th- I think we just struggle with feeling trapped a lot. So Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, biz it has been a pleasure to talk to you. And we did forget to do one thing. Teresa could your your co host couldn't join us today because she's mm-hmm. very, very busy being pregnant. And you promised to yes. make fun of her. You promised to make fun of her. You said you were going to do that. So here's your chance before we say goodbye.
1: Oh, she's she's doing her best. We both had totally a perfect, like, if Laurel and Hardy had been, you know, parent, like mom's like moment recording our show yesterday where, like, our guest couldn't make it at the last minute. And so we're going through our normal routine. And then you know, I'm going to chalk it up to pregnancy brain for her and I'm going to chalk it up to sleep deprivation for me. But like, we just didn't record a whole part of our show and like had to go back and like my editing's going to take forever this week. We just, both of us were like, yeah, I guess that's it for the show. And then our producer was like, uh, did you forget that we have that whole rant segment where somebody comes in and calls in and yells? And I was like, yes, we've been doing this how long? Like she is... She's just getting, you know, beautifully bigger and, and beautifully tired. And she's got two other kids. And, you know, it's really going to boil down to uh, me forgetting that she's pregnant and forgetting what she's going through and being that totally un-understanding jerk <laughs> who keeps, who keeps to demanding things of her when I know where she is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. It's really more... It's really more about me just preparing myself to be a big jerk to my friend for, you know, <laughs> seven more months, eight, six
0: more months. <laughs> As friends do. <laughs> what would That's we do crazy. without that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Teresa, I hope you're well. I hope this is a great pregnancy for you. And Biz, it was fun. <laughs> this was super fun. I really appreciate uh, so thank it. Thank you for having me. Okay. We'll say goodbye. All right. Bye-bye. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like Today's guest was Biz Ellis, co-host of the Maximum Fun podcast, One Bad Mother, which you can find on iTunes. Biz and her co-host, Teresa, have a comedy gift book coming out in the spring, just before Mother's Day, called You're Doing a Great Job, 100 Ways You Are Winning at Parenting, Even If You Think You're Not. Um, Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting is produced in Portland, Oregon, by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. You can learn more about me at genefaulkner.com, tweet me at Jean Faulkner, email me your questions at gene at Genefaulkner.com. and you can find my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Pals.com. it's all over the place. Thank you all for listening, sharing, subscribing, donating, and all that and more. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.